Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. I just had a birthday, so I feel old. <laughs> I feel old. I'm probably old as Chewbacca. Are you the I want Chewbacca? Yoda. Yeah, I want Yoda to hug me and tell me, I love you too, Peyton. You know, that was the one sound effect I didn't download from Yoda was when 900-year-old... I can't even say it now. When 900 years old you are, this good you will not look or whatever it was. I, I yeah. I, I throw in it. Yeah, the, the lamest, and they almost ruin Yoda when he goes, Miss you too, most of all will I, Chewbacca. You can't do that to Yoda. Was that, you can't make him. Was that in episode three? Yeah. Doesn't count, buddy. Doesn't count. You're, you're obsessed with this episode three, and I'm telling you that movie never existed. I'm telling you episode three is worthy of at least an honorable mention. Don't it's not the original trilogy. <laughs> it's it's worth something. I'm just telling you. It's in the middle. I don't it's know. somewhere in the middle. I don't know. You know, we've actually got a uh, call we got on the old uh, message line, which you too can call us and leave us a message. 562-553-0004. And uh, I think I'm going to play this here uh, call for us because I personally found it uh, a little bit funny. You ready? Yeah. Hey guys, it's Jonathan again from Nairobi. I'm just, uh, you know, sitting here watching some giraffe eating off of my acacia trees in the yard and listening to your podcast. Just listen to the one about feeding your soul. And Peyton, that list of books is pretty awesome. You're going to make everybody upset. The, uh, you know, reform guys are going to be upset at some of the guys you mentioned, uh, Methodists, and and uh, they'll be upset. And but the weirdest thing, I have to say something here that I never thought I'd say <laughs> listening to the podcast, but. Uh, I have to agree with Pete uh, and that list of uh, things that you do to feed your soul definitely sounds more like you and uh, less of things that will help with uh, Pete. But uh, hey, that list was awesome for me as well. I think we're 
kind of similar. But, uh, yeah, again, I don't know how well I'm going to sleep tonight knowing that I said that. Uh, um, yeah, I agree with Pete. Wow. Anyway, God bless you guys. Bye. <laughs> Jonathan. With Pete. I love it. Jonathan, I am, I am just going to say you are clearly backsliding. Uh, Pete's gone over to the dark side. He doesn't like episode three. Even people that hate the original prequels like episode three. But now you're agreeing with Pete. And as Yoda did say, uh, once down the dark path you go, forever will it dominate your destiny. So I'm just, that's a warning, Jonathan Ferguson. You know, because he was so kind and did that, I actually turned that into a sound effect. I have to agree with Pete. <laughs> <laughs> So I can just play that one or this one. Yeah, I agree with Pete. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jonathan Ferguson, you have created a monster. I love it, man. I love it. Oh, so so uh, you are you are like the emperor, basically. You're like the Sith. You're making a a, a pupil, an apprentice. Am I am I turning him to the dark side? I think it's been done. I think more people ought to agree with Pete. That's all I'm saying. More people should hey, agree with you. Hey, you only get one. Apparently, two there are, uh, one Sith and one Master. So you already got your people. That's it. No more. You know, we actually got our first uh, really cool um, soundbite endorsement. I don't know why we didn't think of this, but uh, he asked for one from you, <laughs> and then he gave us one. So, uh, you know, I got to play it here just so people know we're legit. Hi, this is Frank Viola from BeyondEvangelical.com. And you're listening to one of the most entertaining podcasts on the web today, the Church Planter Podcast with Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell. I have to agree with Pete. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think Except, we, we can tag that sound effect onto pretty much anything that I say. I love it. Except that we're taking it to a new level. See, we didn't write that one. After we got that from Frank, we're like, okay, Here's how we need to start doing it. Hi, my name's Frank Viola. You're listening to the Church Planner <laughs> Podcast, and I'm not wearing any pants. I know. We actually we, did talk about that. We, we started going through our guests. We're like, we can make this guy say that. We can make this guy. And then, we're, then we stop on uh, Philip Yancey. <laughs> I knew and we're that's like, where you were going. <laughs> we, we have to get Philip Yancey to say, you know, this is Philip Yancey. You're listening to the Church Planner Podcast. And the next time you're going through a hard time, suck, suck it, it up, up. buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, he will not say that. There's no way we'll get it. And I'm like, what we got to do is trick him and get him to say things like a sentence with the word suck in it. And, you know, so like up, you know, cheer up. And then we mix it together. And we and get him to say it. I ran that by my wife and she said, he will hate you. And we like Philip Yancey a lot. And we want to want, interview him again. So we can't do that. I want to get him to say, this is Phil Yancey. And you're listening to the Church Planner Podcast. And you just need to suck it up, Buttercup. That's what I want to get oh, him to That say. would be great. That would be great. But it will never happen. Until we get to heaven. Yeah, probably. Except, I will say this. I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun with sound effects with Pete. <laughs> Hey, what can I say? I finally got a new program that lets me actually store the sound effects that I want to use. And so, um, you know. So, we, so we need t-shirts that say something like, you know, I agree with Pete. And on the back says, I never thought I'd say that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have the wow one there. Yeah. I agree with Pete. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
we don't even have our guest on yet. We're like, hey, let's screw around and then we'll call him. Oh, that's right, huh? I gotta call him. All right, let me let me call the dude. This is Kurt. Hey, Kurt. Peyton, hey, what's going on, Peyton? Not much. Hey, Kurt, before we even get started, will you tell uh, Pete that you're my Padawan? <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely uh, Peyton's Padawan. Boom! Right there, dude. I got one too now. I thought you said <laughs> Paddle Buddy. I didn't even know what that meant. Hey, wait a minute. I don't know what you mean by that or where you're going, but we said Padawan. Padawan. All right. That's cool. Padawan. All right. Because we just found out that that Pete actually has a Sith apprentice uh, who called into the podcast, and he's turned him to the dark side. So I need a Padawan now. So thanks, Kurt. I appreciate it. Go ahead, man. I was just gonna say I was just at the Jedi training academy with my son on uh, Tuesday, so so I'm I'm up on my uh, my Jedi skills. Yeah, tell me, you had a very interesting uh, observation about uh, some of the Jedi commands they were given to the young young the younglings. You need to yeah, it it was it was quite odd. So we were at Disneyland on Tuesday. My little boy just turned four, and uh... <laughs> what what date did he turn four? By the way. To your your birthday on, yeah, on Tuesday, yeah, June third. Yeah, send all all gifts to uh, Peyton Jones, care of uh, Church Planner Podcast. We accept uh, check and card. No, but but we're 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 watching this this thing unfold before us, and it just I just turned to my wife and I said, you know, if you change a few of the adjectives and the nouns uh, in this guy's uh, presentation, this is like just going going to just about any. Um, any, you know, charismatic or Pentecostal church out there, you know, he's going, gosh, I, I feel the, the force is strong in you over here. Come forward, youngling, come forward, receive your gift. You know, and it was, uh, I don't know, it just kind of struck me. You, you felt like you were at a church service somewhere just with yeah. a Jedi twist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's awesome, man. So yeah. now, now that you've alienated all of our Pentecostal and charismatic uh, listeners, which I heavily apologize for. Uh, yes, both. Um, let, let me say welcome to the show. And, uh, you know, tell us a little. Well, we invited you on here because you, you got something to say about money. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to faith, a little bit of your history. And uh, then we'll get started because you got something to say for church planners about stuff they don't normally think about. Until yes, they're yes. either like in between a rock and a hard place or a little bit further down the road. They need a guy like you. They need your help. So uh, tell us who you are, and then we'll talk about what you do. Sure, definitely. So uh, I grew up in in Huntington Beach, California. Woo-hoo. And uh, yeah, exactly. Actually, kind of funny, but a little bit about my backstory. Peyton, you were, uh, you were a youth leader there in Huntington at the time I was growing up. And um, my, my mom and I... <laughs> okay. My mom and I were going to different churches, but uh, but my mom was attending your church, and, and uh, she invited me to a couple of your Bible studies, and I think that's how you and I um, got to know each other before you headed off for Wales and became the uh, the church uh, planting magnate that you are today. But uh, <laughs> but no, I grew up uh, in the church planting. Yeah, exactly. Grew up, uh, came to faith at uh, the Harvest Crusade one night. Um, Greg Laurie was preaching, and the Holy Spirit was doing the convicting. 
and uh, that's that's when I when I came to faith, and and uh, really for the first time understood the gospel. Um, the gospel was something that I had heard probably hundreds of times growing up in the church, but it wasn't until that night when I was about 13 years old that the uh, the Holy Spirit illuminated uh, the truth of the gospel to me, and that's when I became a Christian. And uh, so I've been walking with Jesus now for about 22 years, serving in uh, different capacities in, in worship leading and teaching and preaching as a lay leader um, and an elder. And uh, vocationally, I work for Evangelical Christian Credit Union. I'm a relationship manager. And uh, really, as a treasurer of a church, um, having spent a little time on an elder board and, and with what I do professionally, that's kind of what became the impetus for, um, I think, uh, you and I talking, Peyton, and, and deciding, hey, we should, we should talk about this on, on the show. So, uh, well, you talking a little I, bit. Yeah, you and I are, uh, f- funny enough, we were in a meeting. I, can't, I think we were talking about setting up a bank account for one of the church plants. Uh, it was actually Long Beach. And uh, we ended up bumping into a group of guys, uh, another church planning scumbag who was at the other table. And it's funny when you go out with the ECCU guys, because they set up everybody's bank and they know like all of the churches and, you know, you guys actually know the finances of everybody, which is kind of funny. Cause my question yesterday was like, so who are the big rich churches that need to throw money at church planning? That was like my favorite question of the year to ask someone. And yeah, uh, yeah. And, and so, you know, the, the reality is we kind of got involved. You're involved in the Stanton thing. You were actually kind of part, partly the catalyst for that because when we kind of combined these two tables of church planners out at that restaurant that one day, um, you just dropped it. You lived in Stanton, and everybody kind of lit up and said, Stanton. So we've got a collaborative thing going on right now to bring a couple different networks together and plant a church in Stanton, and you live in the heart of there. So this came up yesterday when we were at a prayer meeting, kind of the thin end of the wedge to go into that community, and uh, and you just mentioned something that got hold of every church planting catalyst that was there, and you just started talking about the money, and all of us kind of threw our hands up and said, yeah, you know, we suck at that. That's the part of church planting that we suck at. We just want to make sure we got enough money to like pay the bills. And you're like, yeah. Look, there's a better way to do this. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just kind of get out of the way here and let you uh, kind of talk to my church planners. Well, I want to, I want to talk to Pete for a second. Pete, does Satan always do all the talking? Yes, he actually yep. um, doesn't really want me to talk at all on the show. So, okay. no, Pete, all right. Pete breaks the show when he talks. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, hey, and you then know, people I... start agreeing with him, Kurt, and then like. He feels all like, you know, he's the emperor, like he's ruling the galaxy. It's not <laughs> uh, I think you have a, a Wookiee uh, stuck in your garbage disposal there or something. I was actually just clearing uh, my throat, but thanks anyway. I appreciate that. Okay. No, it's, uh, you know, money is such a, an important uh, topic. Obviously, Jesus uh, spent a lot of time talking about it. And, you know, I was thinking about this last night. Um, pastors either love talking about money and actually hyper-focus on it in kind of an abusive way, in a way that, that's destructive and, and uh, really messes people up, you know, you're, you're, you're looking at, you know, the prosperity gospel and things like that, 
or for the most part, um, I think pastors uh, tend to really shy away from it. They, they, they leave the money talk as, you know, that's, that's something I'll have the chairman of the elder board do if we get to a point where, you know, things are getting tight and you need people to, to pony up. Uh, we'll, we'll throw the chairman of the elder board up there or, or maybe the executive pastor and, and have him do the money talk. But, you know, really in a church plant, um, there's, there's not a budget for, for an executive pastor. So, so uh, you know, a lot of this, this discussion and, and a lot of the responsibility for stewarding um, the, the human capital that you have in, in your plant and, and, and really shepherding the, the, the lives of the people who are, who are participating in what God's calling you to do is, is really wrapped up in what Paul, uh, Paul says is growing in the grace of giving. And uh, you know, in the same way that a church planner would never say, "Gosh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about adultery or pornography because I don't want to alienate people," um, we ought not to say, "I'm not going to talk about money." Um, you know, this is this is an area where God specifically calls out uh, growing in the grace of giving as something that every Christian should do, and uh, every pastor, therefore, should uh, should be comfortable talking about it. But but I do understand and. Uh, completely get that it's an awkward thing because you're the guy pulling the paycheck, you know, and 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 people are gonna gonna question your motives and and uh, so it's really important to layer in some integrity and some checks and balances to make sure that uh, that that doesn't become a pitfall for you or for the people that you're shepherding. Cool. What what are those? What are some of those checks and balances? Well, you know, if you look at Second um, Corinthians. Uh, I think it's chapter 8 or chapter 6, Paul's talking about um, sending Titus uh, to, to, the, uh, to the Corinthian church, and he says, and we also sent another brother so that no one could discredit the way that we administer this liberal gift. And so what he's talking about there is really building accountability, building, um, you know, if you were an accountant uh, or if you were in business school, they would talk about, you know, proper internal controls. Things like dual custody of of, uh, of cash. When people give you cash, it should never be in the presence of, of just one person. Um, things like having two people involved in in signing checks and approving expenses. Um, you know, I work with a lot of churches who, you know, they no ill will in their body at all. But you know, the pastor and his wife are the two people who are the signers of the bank account, and that's just. And that's just not uh, a good recipe for avoiding, um, you know, accusations that you're not above reproach and, and, and really allowing people a foothold to question your integrity. They encourage them to do. Sure, sure. And, and maybe, maybe that's the problem. Maybe, you know, maybe some church, church planners are just, uh, you know, not doing a good job of managing um, the finances at home. Maybe, maybe for a that's uh you know, that's their wife's job. or um, it, That's exactly what it is with me. My wife is a master of our finances, keeps us out of debt, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we've lived on yeah. a missionary budget for years, but she doesn't touch the church finances. In fact, neither yeah. one of us do. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's a good thing. You know, but, but realize that the, uh, the principles that you use or the principles that your wife uses to manage your household finances, those are things that you've learned over the years. Those are things that you've through trial and error, have picked up, you know, that, hey, it, it may not be a good thing to go into a negative balance in my checking account uh, every week. That, that's kind of, 
that's sort of frowned upon by the bank. And, and uh, it, it might actually be a good thing to have some money set aside for, for an emergency or something like that. When you're starting a church plant, there is a temptation to say, when we get there, we will save. When we get there, we will you know, start putting money into a missions fund, um, start thinking about funding the next church plant. What I would encourage church planners to do is realize that so much of the, um, the, the character of your church, so much of the unique DNA of your church is being established in the early phases. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. So, so, so as you go ahead and, and decide where you're going to spend money, you know, start, start out by saying, hey, for every dollar that comes in, how are we going to chop that up? How are we going to budget that? You know, a certain percentage is going to go to salary. A certain percentage is going to go towards the building. The, the money that's left over, that's, that's really the secret sauce of your church. That's the reason why people will go to your church and not the church that's two blocks away. Because how you're leveraging those resources will say to the world, this is our priority. Um, Larry Burkett, the, the, the founder of Crown Financial Ministries, he said, show me your checkbook and I'll show you your priorities. It's just the way that, that things work. So if you want people to support your ministry because you're going to be X type of church, you're going to be a missions-focused church, you're going to be a church that you know, reaches out to unwed mothers, or you're going to be a church that, that, that helps people uh, who are struggling with, with addiction, you know, get into recovery programs, things like that. I better be able to see that when I look at your budget. Your budget is just a, it's just a numbers form of telling me your ministry story. So when you, when you come to a dollar and you decide, and, and you better decide, too. Don't, don't do this passively because you're going you're gonna to learn this lesson eventually, and it's better to learn it up front. When you come to a dollar, decide or have decided up, up front, this is how we're going to spend that dollar. Um, it, it, it really is a matter of being intentional because oftentimes church planners will spend so much time thinking about the mission, the vision, you know, coming up with the four key values of the church that all start with the same letter. They'll spend so much time marketing it and putting together the package. And, and really the operational side of how that happens is, is in the money game. It's, it's in the, it's in the, um, the crass way of, of looking at it is separating the donor from their dollar and then taking that dollar and going and making ministry happen. That's really, um, how your ministry is going to be fueled and funded. Right on. Excellent. So, okay. So you've got, you've got the church planner, right. And, and the, you know, the, the leadership team is, you know, kicking back, talking about, you know, this is what we're going to do. And then one of them says, Hey, I think we ought to give blank amount to missions and outreach. What is a good figure? And, and we were talking about this yesterday, you and I, where we were talking about what is a good percentage. And because you've got your finger on some of the biggest ministries and definitely, you know, not even the biggest, but you've got, you guys have your fingers on so many uh, ministries, many of them good. You also work with ones that are doing it very poorly. We talked about yeah. that um, yesterday. You see everything. You're you're like yep. you're like the the bookkeeper for the mafia, right? You know all the secrets. <laughs> and you know, t- tell me what you feel based on what you've seen, some models you've seen, 
or some examples, some great examples? What have been some examples you've seen that are really poor without giving details, obviously, to get you fired? Yeah. But, um, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I was encouraged. I was talking to a pastor of a quite large um, church uh, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, he told me his, his ministry that the church sponsors 2,500 Compassion International kids. Wow. 2,500 kids that, you know, 30 bucks a pop or whatever. Every single month, his ministry is sending out, what is that, three quarters of a million dollars or whatever is going out the door to support Compassion International kids. You know, that's something that they have prioritized. They've spoken about it. Child sponsorship is important, not only for individuals at their church, but for the church body as a as a budgetary item, we're going to do this. Um, another ministry that I was talking with sends like 23% of their budget out the door into missions. You know, the, the, the right number, the quote unquote right number, um, that's difficult to land on. But I, I think the important thing is that once you define how you're going to spend money, um, whether you realize it or not, you're, you're making a uh, sort of a, uh, not quite a contract, but you're making an agreement with your donors that, hey, this is what makes up our church. This is what we uniquely embody. You know, when people um, were going to Francis Chan's church, you know, they were going there because it had a certain feel and a certain look to it. And some of that came out in the worship and some of that came out in the preaching. But a lot of it, you know, that we probably didn't even think about came out in how they approached money, how they spent money, how they leveraged kingdom assets into into the world. So, you know, to answer the question, I don't know what that right number is, but boy, when you guys get together as a core team and you start talking about that, figure out what it's going to be for your church and then well, do, I, your, do your best. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, sorry to cut you off there, but I think no. one of the things that, uh, people are getting more and more suspicious about one of the things I hear is people saying, look, I don't want to pay for the lighting bill. You know, my, my, my tithe or my giving, you know, I don't want it to go for that where, um, what they're seeing often in churches is the church is building new buildings and they've always got building and it. And it's all about the, someone's building their empire. Someone is building their dream, you know, and the leadership has control over these funds. And it becomes like a Tower of Babel where somebody's building a name for themselves. And people are getting more and more suspicious of that. And they're saying, what are we doing with this? Like, like uh, people are starting to withhold their funds from tithing. And, and yeah. that's something that, you know, uh, leadership needs to wake up to is that if people don't see the money going out, if they don't feel that the church itself is doing what you're asking the people to do. In other words, you're asking people to give a chunk of their income to go towards the church. And of course, we all tell them, oh, it's for mission. It's to promote the kingdom of God. But if they see with their eyes that what you're really doing is empire building, they're going to go, uh-uh, because you're not doing with the church's budget what you've asked us to personally do in our lives. Yeah, you know what yeah I'm saying? absolutely. And yeah, definitely. One of, the, one of the things that I'm really bad about is telling the church like what we're doing. Like we have a we we support a handful of missionaries, and and I'll be honest, it's not a lot. But if you knew how much comes in for us, you know, like basically we'll we'll support a certain number of missionaries, a hundred bucks a month, and it's not huge, but it's you know, as a missionary on the field, a hundred bucks, you get enough churches supporting you at a hundred bucks. That's great, right? And for a small yeah. church plant like us. 
um, that's something I walk away and I'm, I, I feel proud about. Like, hey, you know, yeah. we, in many ways, we can't afford to do it if we want to look at it from the standpoint of, gosh, you know, we need every. But it's part of our, our DNA that we give locally. We yep. give globally. Um, so, you know, like our feeding the community is our local missions. Um, our, uh, and then we have a handful of missionaries that we give a hundred bucks a month to that's money that could go to my, I take a partial paycheck for a reason. That's money that could go to me, right? All of that is yeah. stuff. I could be a full-time supported minister, but I have sacrificed that in the sense where, uh, I've modeled that and I, I don't, I'm not going to promote that, but what I really suck at is promoting the people. Hey, these are the missionaries that we support right now. Um, yeah, and, 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 and I think, you know, just having having walked that road with missionaries who are raising support, I think on the one hand, you know, they, they appreciate the support, um, but, you know, what is so important and foundational to those missionaries is, is getting their story um, told so that they can be prayed for, so that they can get in front of people at your church and, and talk about, you know, personally supporting um, them. But, you know, I, I think you're right in saying that, you know, even some of these large churches, you know, that, that, that I see, you know, they're not, they're not doing a good job of telling people, Hey, when you support our ministry, this is what we're doing with your money. Yeah. Um, we're, we're not just here to, to, uh, to pay an electrical bill. You know, some of the ministries I'm talking with, you know, speaking of paying electrical bills, they're, they're starting to think, man, there's a lot of wisdom in, in throwing some solar panels on the roof and, you know, and, and, and leveraging our, you know, our large industrial building, uh, the, the space we have on our roof, turn that into a, a little electricity generating station up there and, and, and start to fix out some of these costs that are, quite frankly, just a part of doing business as a church. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, maybe at, at your church, uh, you know, it's a couple hundred bucks a month for electricity. Maybe at some other churches, it's, you know, 10 to $20,000 a month. Well, if they can, they can find a way to make that uh, a fixed cost that doesn't increase by five or 10% each year, um, then they're, they're going to be able in the long run to leverage that and put more money back in the kingdom building. But you're absolutely right. You have to do a much better job of communicating to people why to give and, and where to give and, and, and what you're doing with the dollars. And part of that is just being transparent. It's sharing a budget. It's, it's, a lot of times for a lot of guys, it's just preparing a budget to begin with, you know, as a donor, if you tell me you need $10, um, I want to know what you're going to do with my $10, you know, um, that's just the bottom line, you know, and, and my comfort level goes up when you've got a budget that you show me and it's not just a conversation that you're having from the pulpit. Yeah. Part of, you know, thinking about money and, and thinking about church planting, um, the uh, the aspect that I think a, a lot of guys do kind of I don't want to say it's it's a, it's a pitfall but you know they get to the point where they've done so much asking of of casting a vision of 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 getting people on board of of generating support and kind of the intima- emotional and intellectual capital that goes along with that and certainly the spiritual capital but I think by the time most guys get to the point where they've got a team in place. They're, they're, they're a little spent and they're, they're a little done with the asking. But, um, but my encouragement, you know, to, to church planters is to, is, to, is to say, you know what, ask, ask boldly, ask again, 
keep on asking because God has the resources out there available for you. And I believe this in the bottom of my heart that, that there are people out there who have, uh, just unimaginable amounts of wealth and all that they're waiting for is for somebody to come along and ask them, Hey, would you support us? And I think what, what I've, what I've learned in you my got any job, phone numbers, Kurt. Yeah, I was just going to say, can you can you give us a list of those people? Because have phone, we'll call. Yeah, no, I mean, here's the thing. I, I've learned in my job that um, a lot of times when people think they're asking, they're not actually asking. Ooh. They're 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 presenting numbers and they're presenting a budget, and um, they're kind of they're kind of doing the the uh, awkward. Uh, I'm not going to make eye contact with you. I'm just going to stare at the uh, the table here at Starbucks while we while we talk about this vision that God's given me. And what donors want, what what key donors want, what the the angel investors uh, want is they want somebody to say, "Hey, you've got something that I need, and here's a compelling biblical reason why you need to give your money to me so that I can do this thing that God has called me to do." And that's you know that's a we giggle about that. It's kind of a crass way of looking at it, but that is, that is the equation. When you call somebody up and say, hey, I want to get together with you and share the vision God has placed on my heart, what you should be saying is, and I want you to support me financially. So let's talk about that. And I think a lot of guys just, uh, just avoid that because it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I think people don't like hearing no, and they don't want to feel like a leech. But I, I think it's fair to say that there are people, that, like you said, with money, but they're looking for something worthwhile to give you. Well, one of the things that yeah. I would say, Peyton, too, is that, you know, people are taking this, this position of, uh, you know, I don't want people to say no or I don't want to hear no or it hurts my feelings or whatever. But, you know, the way I look at it from a sales standpoint is if they say no, it's not like I'm any different than where I was five minutes before they said no. It's the yeah. same exactly. spot. So at least I got the no. I mean, that's one of the things we've got a church planner who works with us and, um, and he's out there selling advertising for the church planner magazine and he's a true salesman. And he's like, I'd much rather get a no than a maybe, at least then I know where they stand. Yeah, exactly. But he'll, exactly, he'll yeah. go back to him in time. Well, that's you know, because a no like... doesn't mean no forever. It means know this particular second and a good salesman is going to take it as that and keep coming back. Well, you, you know, know some, some of, some of my strongest relationships as a, as a sales professional are people that said no to me four or five years ago, you know, and I'm, and I'm still talking to them and we're still trying to, trying to figure something out. And, you know, it, they, I think your donors want to know that a, you're there for money, but you're not just there for money. You know, you're there to build a relationship with them. You're there, to share the vision with them. Um, you know, how many of your church planners that you guys talk to are, are praying for the people that are supporting, uh, supporting their vision? You know, I mean, really, really praying for them. You know, that, that is, uh, something that some of these people, um, who, who might be of, of significant means have never had somebody stop and really ask them how they can pray for them. Mm, interesting. So if, if, a, if a church, let's say you're consulting, right? You, I call you in and I say, hey, we're Refuge Long Beach and uh, we've got money in the pot because, you know, this is my, my golden rule. You said run it like your household finances. Before yeah. I got married, my wife is, you know, she's got a keen financial mind. 
I never bounced a check in my life when I was single because, and you know, we haven't done it with my wife, but I never bounced a check when I was single simply because I just didn't spend stuff. Um, I put money in the bank. If I wanted a coffee or something, I'd buy it. But, but I just left it alone. I wasn't out like buying all the time or what have you. So, so my point is, um, I, I, for me, I just don't touch it. I don't always know what's going on because the mothership does our accounting, uh, which has its pluses and minuses. But my point is in putting together a budget, normally by the time, you know, I establish missions, giving local and global, we set all that up. Um, but, but I have to say like, this is not my strong point. If we were to make a budget, what are the key essential things? How do you tell council guys, look, your budget needs to have these. So we've talked about missions, talked about giving, talked about outreach, talked about salaries. What other things need to be in there? You mentioned savings, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, the, anyone who's good with money always does that. Um, but, but what are some of the other things that guys ought to be thinking about? Sure. Um, a lot, a lot of uh, church planters and, and churches, quite frankly, don't don't ever think to budget income. And and you know, if you think about it, you can um, you can pretty scientifically uh, estimate how much um, a church is going to generate in income each year. Now, with a church plant, maybe not as easy. It's going to be a little bit harder, but you'll have some kind of an idea. You know, we've got five churches that are going to sponsor us at, you know, 300 bucks a month, or we've got a denomination that's going to throw in a thousand bucks a month. You know, you, you have an idea who your, your initial donors are um, in the beginning. And, and so you need to, you need to start with budgeting income. You need to start with not only budgeting tithes and offerings, but budgeting any kind of, any kind of fee income you're going to generate. If you have a men's breakfast and you, you know, you ask for donations and you get 20 bucks every time you do that, any kind of income that's going to come in, you got to budget that. Um, the reason being when you start to tell people how you're spending money, that's part of the money that you're going to spend. That's, that's, that's part of the money that, that goes into the, the, the pie. You know, if, if 85% of your income comes from tithes and offerings, maybe 15% of it comes from some of these other, uh, different types of sources. Um, the, uh, the idea of, of budgeting a reserve, that kind of goes hand in hand with um, an idea that I heard in Christianity Today. They were talking a couple years ago about this idea of having a ministry research and development fund. And so I've kind of spent a lot of time harping on, on you know, spending the money the way you, you say you're going to spend the money, having a budget, et cetera, et cetera. This is a category that you build into your budget so that when your youth pastor comes into you comes into your office in May and says, "Hey, I've got a great idea. Uh, I want to do such and such, uh, you know, opportunity with uh, with the local uh, after school program, and, it, and it's next month, and I need a thousand bucks." You don't say, "Hey, great opportunity. I wish we would have known about that in November when we were putting the budget together." You've got to build into your budget some line item or category that is an area where you're collecting money in anticipation for something that God is calling you to do that you don't know about today. That's cool. So it's like an unexpected uh, outgoing expense. Yeah. Like a, like a ministry opportunity fund, you know, um, where, where you're just putting money aside for, for something that's going to come up. It could be, 
Um, benevolence, it could be, you know, if you want to have benevolence as a separate category, you can do that. Um, but, but just an idea to, to put money aside for something that you don't necessarily know is happening today. And then the other thing you got you got to keep in mind, you know, a lot of these church plants are going to be running um, off of borrowed equipment, off of older equipment. Um, you're probably going to need to put a little bit more aside than than an established church would for replacing things that are going to break down or for fixing things uh, that are that are going to be on the fritz. Um, those are kind of some key areas that I don't think guys initially think about when they when they get started in church planting. Do you give church plants any idea of like, you know, here, here's a good structure for budgeting, you know, estimate so much for this, so much for that. I mean, wh- where does a church planner go for that kind of info? Sure. Yeah, the national average um, for uh, donors is about $1,100 per uh, person in attendance. So if you've got a church of 100, wow. you multiply, yeah, you multiply 100 by, you know, $1,100 and, uh, that's kind of a good way of guessing, you know, guessing where you'll be at. Um, you know, places like Orange County, you know, that's going to skew upward. That's going to be, I've seen anywhere from, you know, 2500 to $4,000 per person. Um, but what that tells me is there's a lot of people out there that aren't tithing because I, <laughs> I don't know anybody in Orange County that's, that's you know, 10% of their income is, is $2,500. Is um, okay, now this is where you can, you can really help out with figures because I read somewhere recently that the average – tithe amount is and there are people that give a full 10 percent, and i think that's awesome i think they're better off for it i think 10 percent of your income you know is is it you know it's a figure god put there i know people want to say oh god doesn't ask us to do that anymore we never said stop a and b um it appeared that the new testament gave more i just think that's kind of like a nice guideline um you know and 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 so for people on average, where, where I think it comes out of is people want to give a lot less. And so that's where yeah. that comment often comes from. Because statistically, what I read, maybe you'll probably know more about this than I do. Two, in between 2 and 3% is what the average person gives. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm laughing here because I was at a, a Christian music festival uh, several years ago. And, uh, you know, kind of when the ironic t-shirt phase was going on and I, I just burst out laughing because I saw a guy with a shirt that said, I tithe 11%. And I was, I was just so tickled by that because it was funny. Uh, but, but so the idea, going back to the idea of growing in the grace of giving. <laughs> That's a great t-shirt. Go, yeah. Go, going back to the idea of growing in the grace of giving. I don't care if you give 10%. I don't care if you give 3%. Um, you you should you should be growing. You should be whatever you're giving today. You should be growing. So a lot of people will look at ten percent. Whatever whatever. A lot of people will look at ten percent and they'll say, "I could never imagine giving ten percent." Um, and then I say, "Well, yeah, you're you're probably thinking ten percent of your after tax money, but you could really make the case that it's ten percent of your pre tax money." But let's not even go there for a second. Let's not even go there for a second. Uh. 10% as a rule is a stumbling block for a lot of people and, and it keeps them from giving 1% or 2% or 5% and it stops a lot of people at 10% from giving 11% or 12% or 15% or whatever God would call them to do. Um, if, you, if you think about giving from the context of just simply growing in the grace of giving, if I'm giving a church 
3% of my income and the next year I decide to give them 4%, I have increased the amount that I give to the church by 33% because I've gone from 3 to 4 If I'm giving 10% of my income and I give 11% the next year, I've increased the amount that I give by 10% because I've gone from 10% to 11%. Um, and that, that, you know, that's one-tenth of the total gift. You know, so you think about just this idea of getting 10% out of people's heads and just encouraging them to grow whatever they're giving, to grow in the grace of giving and be intentional and say, you know what, starting today, I'm just going to give more than I have before. Interesting. You know, we took this approach, and uh, it was interesting because Pete and I were chatting about it. He's like, man, you still think like such a missionary. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask that amount. But what we did is for new breed, I'm like, look, you know, that same principle, we started this campaign called the 300 because we lost one of our big donors. In fact, our biggest donor was a church that was paying us, you know, a thousand bucks a month and they dropped it down to 200 a month. And that, that really hurt us because we're, we don't, you know, we're, we don't get a lot of money, but you know, it was kind of like, uh, we did this campaign called the 300. We said, look, if 300 people give $10 a month to new breed, that will allow us to not only do what we're doing, but to expand what we're doing. And, uh, and it's, it's working. Like it, it's actually showing up on a monthly basis where people are going, yeah, you know what? I can give 10 bucks to new breed. I like Peyton. Uh, I love what he does. Um, I benefit from the podcast, the magazine, this, they're looking at all the different things that, that we've offered. Some of my students from the university courses, uh, people that I preach at their church, people that read the blog and they're going, you know what? I give 10 bucks. And it's that same principle that it's just $10 more. But again, it goes back to, I'm giving it to a cause that I believe in. Sure. And, um, and I'm learning, like I used to be ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed anymore because for me, it's about giving to mission. Like you said, there is so much money floating around within the church that for me now, because of what I do, I'm like, I'm not ashamed to ask for this to go to the right place because so much of it is going to the wrong place. Like I'm just Absolutely. not ashamed anymore. I'm like, you know what? Uh, because I'm church planting in areas where churches won't go because there's no money there, I'm just not ashamed anymore. In fact, yeah, I'm also like, you need to give this money. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing about, you know, so you've got 300 people that are giving 10 bucks a month. Going back to what I was just talking about, man, if those 300 people gave 11 bucks a month, that's an extra 300 bucks for you right there. Absolutely. You know, and, and every single one of them could afford to give one more dollar. Every person who attends your church, uh, for the most part, can afford to give 1% more than they're giving today. Yeah. If they're giving zero, they can give 1% more. If they're giving 10, they can give 1% more. And it's about just not becoming uh, sedentary in how we approach money and actually saying, you know what, I'm going to choose what Jesus says, that it's actually more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean into that hard and trust Jesus and take him at his word. Not because he's going to give me something, not because my lifestyle is going to dramatically change, but because... He said that it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it comes back to that. If we knew that it was going towards what it needed to go to, we'd have no issue. We would see, we wouldn't see as much of a disconnect. Yeah. I think. It, I, it, yeah, go ahead, man. 
I, I was just going to say, and I think that, that that's a perfect reminder that in in full credibility and, and with the full authority of uh, Scripture, um, church planters can stand before donors and say, "Hey, I'm doing what I'm doing what the Lord Jesus commanded. I'm I'm preaching the gospel and uh, making disciples, and you got to do what He commanded too. You got to you got to you got to uh, partner with me in this and uh, and support this financially." Awesome. Well, hey, Kurt, man, thanks for coming on. It's been great having you on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, um, if you want to uh, get in touch, you can go to uh, ECCU. Um, Kurt, how do they find you, man, if they want to chat with you about anything? Uh, ECCU.org, or you can give me a call anytime at 800-634-3228, extension 1568, or you can reach me at kurt.blake at eccu.org and we love to just share our, our wisdom and our knowledge um, over the years uh, you know this is our 50th year and uh, we really do exist to fuel Christ-centered ministry worldwide that means that means church plants that means that means mega churches that means missionaries in in uh, 130 countries worldwide uh, we love doing it all and we're happy to share uh, any of the the knowledge and resources we have with anybody who will listen Excellent. Well, man, thanks so much again. And uh, this has been the Church Planner Podcast, reminding you if you want to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music.